Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to the Big Cruise Podcast. Well, hello and welcome. Either welcome for the first time or welcome back. Uh, my name is Baz. I'm one of the hosts of the Big Cruise Podcast, and it is with great pleasure that uh, we have you back for another week of the latest maritime history cruise news. And who knows, there may be a, a little fact or fiction in there. Now, of course, Chris will be joining me in just a second, uh, but before that, I wanted to say a, a quick thank you for those of you that are listening on Spotify. We seem to be getting a lot of engagement, a lot of comments, a lot of uh, likes and uh, reviews on there, uh, so uh, thank you for doing so. And if you were listening on a different podcast directory, then do the same. Let us know what you think, uh, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or one of the many other podcast directories. Uh, we'd really uh, love uh, you to uh, like us, share us, leave a review where possible, uh, um, or even just tell a friend that uh, you think it might be appropriate to uh, listen in this week. So thank you for, for those of you that are doing that already. Now, this week's show is a little shorter. We did, in fact, run out of time. Uh, we had prior commitments that we both needed to be at elsewhere, and uh, we suddenly realised the time. So we did have to cut this week's uh, podcast a little shorter than planned. Um, but don't worry, the news that we didn't share this week, we will be sharing with you in uh, the future editions as well. And one last thing from myself and from Chris, of course, is uh, if you haven't voted already in the Australian Podcast Awards, uh, you can do so for us in the Listener's Choice category. Uh, the link to do so is in the show notes, but you can very easily just Google Australian Podcast Awards. Um, no, the just Australian Podcast Awards. And in the top right hand corner of that uh, website, there is a vote button, and that takes you through to the Listener's Choice category. And if you haven't done so, that's where you can uh, make a vote for us. Very straightforward. You look for the Big Cruise Podcast. It'll come up. You click on it. You enter your name. You enter your email address, and uh, you press submit. 
That will then send a confirmation email to you, which you need to click on to verify your vote. It's just a way for the podcast judges to make sure that the that a humans are voting and we haven't got any uh, spam bots out there that are doing things on uh, studio behalf. But uh, yeah, if you haven't done so, please do so, where we'd really very much appreciate it. And we've got a couple of weeks to uh, try and find our way into the, the finals list. But let's uh, get Chris on this line. Let's get this show on the road talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. We're certainly back into the rhythm and the swing of a usual podcast. And of course, with that means it's time to welcome back uh, Chris Frame, our good friend and maritime historian. Hello, mate. Ahoy there, Barry. Hey, hey, how's things? Good, and you? Yeah, good, good. It's been a busy little week this week, uh, as every week seems to be at the minute. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's just, uh, and the year's flying past, isn't it? I can't believe it. Don't, don't. It's I know. scary. <laughs> Last week of September. <laughs> oh, last week we were talking about 2026. Who knows? Today we might be talking about 2027. Who knows? Uh, tw- 2030 cruises, maybe? <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, let's uh, let's get things moving. Uh, last week we uh, hinted that we we should probably weave in a little bit of maritime history about uh, Fred Olsen, which is obviously a strong brand in the, the Northern Hemisphere. Um, mm. What do you know, mate? Well, I've got a fact or fiction to start it off because you did hint oh. on that. So are you oh, ready for I, it? I, I wasn't ready, but yes, let's do it. Fact or fiction. Okay, so fact or fiction, Baz. Fred Olsen Cruises' first ships were former Cunard liners. The first ship or just some of their ships? The first ship. Fiction. Yes, you're right. (laughs) I've just made that one up this morning. (laughs) I honestly didn't know. That was a stab in the dark. Well, I thought you might get stumped because, of course, Britannia, the first Cunard ship was was sold after just a few years of Cunard service so I thought you mm-hmm. might um you might think maybe she ended up at uh, at Fred Olsen but no no I made that up <laughs> so well done you saw that straight you saw no, straight my reason it. for thinking that was probably that they possibly are a year or two older than Cunard maybe I don't know yeah no they're, they're not so um okay. they're about eight years younger than Cunard okay um but they they started back in 1848 and it was um, the Olsen brothers, actually, who who came together to create. Um, well, they bought ships basically, and they started trading with these um, with these uh, ships of theirs, and it kind of forms the the genesis for Fred Olsen Cruise Line, um, which which can trace his heritage back to that common sort of ancestor because there's the Fred Olsen Group as well. So there's sort of like a bigger um, yep. conglomerate that. Um, Fred Olsen Cruises sort of was born out of, but yeah. basically, the the company's origins sort of are embedded in that um, area and a period of growth rather during the Industrial Revolution, um, and there's all sorts of um, sort of entrepreneurs around the world who are taking advantage of these changes in the way that ships are operated to create new shipping lines. And Fred Olson was one of, was one of those by the um, 1850s. Uh, the, the brothers who um, had become captains and ship owners, um, they, they came together to, to combine the ships that they owned into a single fleet. Oh. And the, the company stayed with these, with these brothers for the, for the formative years, um, when, when the, one of the brothers passed away, then the others took over running the business. Um, and 
This lasted through until the 1880s. Because in the 1880s, they purchase a large sailing ship called the Morning Light. And it's a, it's a rigged uh, mastered ship, so it's, it's still kind of the uh, older style technology. Mm. But this ship um, was a step up in terms of its size and its scale and allowed them to really sort of push the business forward. Um, then in 1900s, they acquire a steamship company. And this allowed them again to expand even further in the area around um, around Scotland and, and Newcastle being added into their um, into their route map as well, which is um, which is important because the company's origins actually um, were from um, the Oslo Fjord area in Norway. Mm-hmm. So they've now expanded out uh, internationally in terms of their um, long term presence. Then in the era around uh, World War One, the company grew even further. So by 1914, they've got a larger fleet. Um, 23 of their um, 44 ships were lost during World War One, though. So this was a huge setback for the company, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, many of uh, many of the ships used in international shipping were were either um, acquisition for use during World War One, as we've discussed before, or um, were lost. As civilian losses during the war, um, but the company did, um, you know, survive World War One. And by the mid nineteen twenties, they were introducing diesel-powered ships to their fleet, which was quite unusual um, globally because many of the major shipping lines were still very reliant on steam turbines. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had that. So if we fast forward through to the nineteen um, thirties, um, again. Towards the end of the 1930s, the company had um, had grown. It had expanded into the USA, um, and they actually introduced uh, two ship names that were then used quite uh, frequently throughout the company's history: the Black Prince and the Black Watch. Mm-hmm. And they were named after um, England and Wales, um, because of course there's like a a naming connection there with uh, the Black Prince and, and Black Watch being from different parts of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time of World War Two, uh, they were once again, you know, relatively um, large fleet. Um, but they had 28 ships in World War Two that were lost, including mm-hmm. the Black Prince and the Black Watch, Baz. Wow. Um, and this was uh, due, to, due to attacks, German attacks during World War Two. But again, they managed to to regroup and rebuild, and the company remained in in um in family hands throughout all this period of time. It's another thing I should probably mention wow. as well. So they've got um sort of generations of the family who are running the business. Now, they commissioned a new black watch in the 1960s, and she became quite a um a popular ship. And she was paired with a sister ship, the Black Prince, which was also um, utilized on cruises out of um, Canary Wharf in London. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Black Prince actually stayed with the line for quite some time. In fact, in the 1980s, she was given a major refit and converted into basically a, a full-time cruise ship. And she was a, an interesting little ship because she, um, she had s- sort of a very unique design uh, with a very small bridge, sort of pointed wheelhouse at the top of the ship, quite a um, unique profile with a curved funnel amidships, um, and was quite small. But 
she remained very, very popular with her with loyal passengers who would sail with her time and time again. Um, and she actually lasted in the fleet for quite some time. Uh, she ended up sailing with them until 2009. And this is a ship that's only 11,200 gross tons. So mm-hmm. very different to the, to the fleet we're going to talk about now. So in the 2000s, the, the company went through a relatively um, significant ex- expansion of its cruising operation. Um, they have, from 1996, they introduced the Black Watch, which was a former um, Royal Viking ship. That uh, again, she was a Royal Viking Sun uh, Stray Star when she sailed for Royal Viking Line, and she'd actually sailed for Norwegian Cruise Line as the Westward as well. Um, but she was acquired by um, by Fred Olsen, and she was paired later with um, another ship called the Boudica, which was also a former oh, Royal Viking. Yeah, she came through um, Australia actually, the Boudica. So um, I toured the Boudica when she was in Fremantle. And oh, yeah. there's a video on my YouTube channel, and it's um it's like stepping back in time really because she had this 1973 layout. It reminded me quite a lot of the interiors of the QE2, oh, yeah. um, but um yeah, she, she's uh was again a very popular, much loved ship. They also added the Braemar to their fleet in 2001, um, and Braemar was the foil, former rather um Crown Dynasty for Crown Cruise Lines. She also sailed with Cunard as a Cunard Crown Dynasty for a while. But all three of these ships are interesting, Baz, because they were each of them were lengthened. Um, Braemar during her time with Fred Olsen, but the other two in a previous um, in a previous life were lengthened, where a new section of the ship was built, and then the ship was cut in half, and a new section was put in in the middle um, to to lengthen the, the vessel and give them a you know more passenger capacity. Yeah. But you've now gone from a ship like Black Prince, which is around about eleven thousand gross tons, up to ships of twenty twenty four to twenty eight thousand gross tons. They also, um, in 2007, had introduced the Balmoral, which um, was, at the time, their largest ship. She used to sail as Crown Odyssey or Norwegian Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a couple of different lives before she joined Fred Olsen. And she, too, was given a pretty extensive refurbishment. Um, and then, of course, we have the, the period of time where the ships went into, into layup during the, um, during the COVID shutdown. Mm. And all four of these ships were laid up. Um, in fact, I think it was Balmoral and um, Braemar were laid up together, and Blackwatch and Black and um, Boudica rather were laid up together. Okay. Black Black Prince having been retired in two thousand nine, um, and and you know what happened there. Um, basically, mm. the um, the company I think surprised everybody in during the shutdown in twenty twenty when they acquired the. Um, uh, Holland America liners, uh, Rotterdam and Amsterdam, which had yeah. been retired from HAL and um, put them into service as, well, prepared for the, them for service during that period as Bolette and Borealis. Mm. So these are 60,000 ton, gross ton ships, 61 to 62,000 gross ton ships respectively. And, you know, massive step up in terms of the previous, um, the previous fleet. But this meant that they then retired Blackwatch and Boudicca. And both of those ships were actually, I think, flagged for use as accommodation ships when they were first sold. But ultimately, their new owners scrapped them. And um, Blackwatch was scrapped in um, 
in Alang in India and um, Boudicca was, um, was scrapped in Turkey. So the fleet then had the four ships and then finally in 2022, they, I think, again, it was a bit of a surprise, um, announced the retirement of the Braemar. Um, I think at the time they said that they were going to focus on slightly larger ships than what the Braemar was. They've got the 43,000-ton Balmoral and then the two um, bigger ships, the Borealis and Bolette. And I believe, but you might need to jump in here if I'm wrong, that they might also have a, um, a river cruising ship as well. They do. I don't think it's theirs, though. I think they charter it from memory. Mm. Um, but, yeah, they, they definitely do oper- operate river cruises. Um, I think it's on the Rhine from memory. Um, yeah, part okay. Of their, part of their program. Yeah, I think it might be ge- uh, German flagged as well, okay. whereas their passenger, their, their um, ocean ships are flagged in the Bahamas. So, you know, from a, from a company that was founded in 1848, um, run by, firstly, the 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 brothers uh, the three brothers and um and then passed down from generation to generation um with uh, such a sort of strong family heritage and even today the company is the cruise line is owned by Fred Olsen and Co which is the same company that was founded um by the first brother, Petter Olsen, back in 1848. And it still manages the, the family's um, interests, this company. So um, Fred Olsen Cruises is, is one part of that, but the company has a heap of different um, sort of ventures that, that are part of it. A lot of them marine-linked, so there's mm-hmm. uh, marine services and they have a fleet of tankers, uh, but they also do travel. They have a... Um, you know, interests in um, in energy and uh, and also express services with um, ferries. Yep. So uh, it's quite an interesting business and much much more detailed than what we have time for to go into the entire business. But the cruise line side, I thought people might find interesting, particularly after last week's podcast. Absolutely. Um, I've always been curious because obviously it's Norwegian or of Norwegian origins, but the the cruise side of the business certainly in current times and pre-COVID times, is very much centred around the UK, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, the, I think that's, the company expanded into the UK market back in the early 20th century um, with the um, expansion into those Canary Wharf cruises mm-hmm. um, or voyages, basically what I should say, because, of course, it was doing line voyages originally and then moved on to cruising um, around the 1960s as its sort of full-time um, a full-time sort of role um and i think that's that's the interesting thing about it is that the the british cruise market i think um matured a bit quicker than some of the other european markets back in the sort of 1960s and 70s um so it made for a real um sort of i guess compelling case to have the ships there and then these days they are primarily based out of British ports. And one of the things that's interesting about Fred Olsen is that they actually don't use the, they don't rely just on the the major port of Southampton. They do quite a lot of trips out of um, secondary ports, don't they? Yeah, out yeah of, regional um, ports, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Dover and um, they do stuff out of out of Edinburgh and um, near Glasgow <laughs> in Scotland. And uh, and I think they also do some calls in, out of Liverpool as well. So they, they have a, a much more sort of spread out presence to, enable people locally in the UK to cruise from their local 
home port rather than having to travel down to Southampton. I'm just looking at the river crew side of things. I've got a funny feeling it might be Fred Olsen Travel that operates river cruises and not Fred Olsen Cruises. cruises. Okay, um, interesting. Which is actually a technically is a completely separate business. Um, they, but owned by the same holding company. I would imagine so, yeah, because they use mm. the name and it's a similar logo, etc. Uh, but Fred Olson Travel has a series of travel agents, but it's also a GSA or a sales agent for other cruise brands that don't have a representative in the UK. So I'm, I'm going to retract on that. I don't think it's Fred Olson Cruise that has the river operations because I can't yeah, find yeah. anything on their website. I'm pretty confident it's with Fred Olson Travel. Fair enough. What a complex web. I know. It's like so many of these companies, though. And the interesting thing is that the history of the cruise ships that they've got as well, you know, um, some of the some of the backstories of um, the different ownership prior to coming to Fred Olsen, these ships have had, um, particularly pre-pandemic, the ships that they had 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 many different lives beforehand. Mm. And it's quite interesting to trace their kind of heritage back to Crown Cruises or um, <laughs> Royal Viking Line and see where they went to multiple different operators before ultimately being reunited, particularly... Yeah. Um, particularly the two Royal Viking ships that ended up with Fred Olsen. That was an interesting little story. Mm, very good, mate. Love it. Love your work. Mm. Oh, now, thank you. <laughs> let's take a uh, short break and uh, we'll jump into the latest cruise news from around the world. Sounds good. Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. Okay, first up, mate, we're going to start off with some River Cruise news. How timely. We were just talking about Fred Olsen, of course. Uh, this time we're talking about Arosa, um, and they've added two new ships that are going to be hitting the fleet in 2024. Yes, uh, if I'm pronouncing their names right, it's Arosa Ali and Arosa Klee. I think so. Yes, and they're joining the fleet um, to provide additional cruisers. Um, there's, there's a particular focus here, Baz, on, on France and particularly Paris to Le Havre. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, so these two new vessels are not new, uh, as in new builds, but they are new to uh, Aerosa. Um, mm. And given the timeline that they're coming into service, uh, probably explains why. Um, they are joining the fleet initially on the Rhine, um, mm-hmm. and that is their most popular river by far. They, they have four ships that are dedicated to the Rhine, so this will take it to uh, six for the 2024 season. Mm-hmm. Um, but from 2025, one of these vessels is actually going to move around to the Seine, and the Viva, which is currently on the will move back to the Rhine. Now, mm-hmm. the reason for this is, I don't know if you know this, Chris, but to sail into the heart of Paris, as in to sail to the um, Eiffel Tower, mm. um, you need to be less than 110 meters um, oh. or 110 meters or less. No, um, but the current vessel that they have on the Seine is actually a little bit longer than that. So she can't get into the heart of Paris. She actually docks at Saint-Denis, which is actually where the Olympics are going to be. Um, ah, so they're bringing the ship in to be able to get to the heart of Paris, which oh, will make sense. a big, big difference and, you know, just adds the whole, the whole experience of sailing on the Seine. Yeah, okay. There you go. Yeah. That's it. vessels were built in 20, uh, 2009 originally. Yeah, okay. 138 guests, 16 square meter cabins, um, and it'll be interesting to see if they put the uh, the Erosa touches of the uh, the color schemes on the interior. Oh yes, of the public areas. oh I, I imagine they would. <laughs> They're pretty proud of their um of of their design, aren't they? Yeah, no, exactly. Next, we're going back to the oceans, Chris. We're talking about a cruise that money cannot buy. Yeah, it's funny this one because it's going back to the oceans, but also taking to the air as well. Because <laughs> this one's come from uh, Virgin Australia's Velocity Frequent Flyer program, mm-hmm. which has launched its first ever cruise for points uh, offer, where you can use your frequent flyer points to get on board a Virgin Voyager ship 
uh, whilst it's selling in Australia in December this year. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I love this this uh, collaboration that they're doing together. Um, for just 79,999 points, you can take a cruise between 16 December of this year and the 5th of March next year um, on voyages departing Melbourne or Sydney. There's a whole list of different departures that you mm. can choose from. Um, they're, of course, in the show notes. Um, but, of course, every Virgin Voyage does include dining in more than 20 different mm, eateries, yeah. all essential drinks, which includes mortar, teas, coffees, press juices, etc. Wi-Fi, unlimited fitness, entertainment, and of course your cruise gratuities. That seems like really good value too, because I mean yeah. 79 was well, 80,000 points basically. Like yeah, it's yeah. um it sounds like a lot, but you know compared to redeeming it for flights in economy class, you're yeah. getting a three to six night cruise. That's pretty amazing. Sort of a three hour flight, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> remarkable. Now it is a limited time offer. The uh, the offer ends on the fifth of October if not sold out prior. Um, so if you are a member of Velocity, uh, then head to the Velocity Reward Store pretty quickly and check out what you can, uh, which cruise you can choose. Sounds good. Next night we've got two snippets of news from your friends at Cunard, and uh, this time they're talking about their new three year partnership with the British Film Institute, and this is in particular for Queen Anne. Yes, it's an exclusive partnership that will um, see uh, it make its debut aboard Queen Anne, as you mentioned. Um, and it, of course, is with the UK's leading um, organisation for film, TV and the moving image. And it's uh, a curated programme of short films and some much-loved blockbusters that will be shown on the new outdoor screen aboard Queen Anne. Mm. Have you seen renditions of the space at all? I've just seen what they've got on their website. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to see a bit more about the ship, actually. Um, of yeah, course, I think the, I mean, she's getting she's getting closer and closer to her uh, her maiden voyage in May of next year. So it's getting exciting to have a, yeah. a fourth Cunarder in the in the fleet. <laughs> now, Cunard uh, is going to be the main sponsor at the sixty seventh BFI London Film Festival, um, which will be taking place across various venues in London, as well as UK partner cinemas from the fourth to the fifteenth of October this year, mm. as well as in twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five. Absolutely, yes. And again, Cunard has had a long, um, uh, you know, association with with uh, showcasing film. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it was I think last year that uh, they had a little film premiere uh, here in Australia that um, that was sp- sponsored by Cunard and many yes, of us. Yes, they did. I can't remember what the go. film was, but I can't remember. Uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. I think it was, and oh, that's uh, right, yeah. we all got popcorn in a in a Cunard um, in a Cunard popcorn box, which was quite quite fun. Um, that was obviously a, a sponsored event that was um, provided by by the line, but um, yeah, um, I think Cunard's had a, a long connection with with film and you know the old uh, ocean liners that they used to have doing the transatlantic service back when the Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth were there were among the first uh, big passenger ships to have a dedicated cinema on board. So, wow, didn't know yeah, that. There, there you go. go. Also news from Cunard, this week they announced that the 2025 program for three of the Queens is available for sale for past passengers um, on the 4th of October and to the general public on the 5th of October. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they've uh, kind of linked it in with their 183-year history by offering 180 new voyages for 2025, Baz. Brilliant. I think they should have tried harder, though, and got it to 183. <laughs> well, I mean, 180 voyages for, for a year is quite a lot, particularly for <laughs> a, a smaller um, fleet. But I guess with the introduction of um, Queen Anne, they've got uh, four ships. that so gives them a, an ability to be a bit more um, ambitious with their, uh, with their cruise itinerary offerings. 
<laughs> so this program is uh, for sailings between April 2025 and January 2026, with a real eclectic mix of exciting itineraries to 91 destinations, mm. 24 countries on board Queen Mary 2, Queen Anne and Queen Victoria, which means, of course, Betty's missing. What's Betty up to? I don't know. That's interesting, you know. I think um, her uh, itineraries are a little bit different from what's um, being talked about here in so much as she spends more of her time out of the European market and in Australia up into um, into Japan and across over to, to Alaska. So um, these, mm. these voyages that they're sort of discussing here for 2025 um, are the Northern Hemisphere cruises generally. We've got um, Queen Anne sailing out of Southampton. There's a Queen Mary II visiting UNESCO heritage areas in Quebec. Um, and onwards into the Caribbean, and the Queen Victoria um, obviously doing her Mediterranean voyages. So it's interesting they didn't include Queen Elizabeth here, but um, her uh, 2025 or, or her long-term uh, plans is for the ship to remain um, doing its long-duration voyages uh, away from her home port. Yeah, I had a quick look, and she is scheduled as far as Japan at this stage in April mm. of 2025. And yep. um, beyond that, I, I think you're right. I, th- I suspect she will head across to Alaska and then yep. return via Asia back down to Australia, etc. So, uh, and that's it. I think there's there's some. I mean, obviously, we're route planning. It must be quite a um, delicate um, dance to, to <laughs> perform, moving all the ships around. But there's some areas where you can't plan as far in advance as others. And I think yeah. Alaska, being so sensitive, um, they they obviously monitor. Um, licenses for ships coming in and out and, and i think you know that means that when a ship's sailing far away from its home port it's in um itineraries might be announced at different times to others just looking at the na- the 19 maiden calls that they're, they're heading to and ibiza is one of them now i would never put cunard and ibiza in the same sentence i don't think oh uh, it's funny because you know that cunard was in the 1970s and um and into the 1980s they ran a fleet of, of cruise ships that used to do all sorts of cruises to to young and um, uh, you know party sort of central um, ports. Oh. <laughs> uh, I've actually started doing a series on my YouTube channel. I think it's going to become a series, and it's the Forgotten Cunarders. This week's was Sagafjord and Vistafjord, which were, were definitely not party ships. But there's um, Cunard Countess and Cunard Princess and the Crown Dynasty and Crown Jewel and Crown Monarch, all of which people have kind of never really heard of or forgotten about but they were pioneers in the cruising industry and uh you know uh cunard has evolved over time and uh, this is a maybe maybe a little bit of a a nod Mm. to its um to its 80s and 90s uh, 70s and 80s rather history there you go didn't know that (laughs) next we're talking uh penant and uh, they've announced that uh they will be introducing excursions across all departures on all ships from the Australian summer season of 24 and 25. Yes, absolutely. And that um, sounds like it's going to be a pretty interesting season. They've got 17 itineraries, 32 um, departures for the Asia and Oceania region, including um, Antarctica and also Northern Europe departures as mm. well. So, of course, they already include excursions on the um, the expedition-type itineraries. But if it's a, a tr- more of a cruise voyage, then short excursions are not included, but they will be moving forward. So uh, it's good to see that uh, Pernant is uh, offering more and more for the guests because they, they really are going from strength to strength. 
Cool, Chris. That is, in fact, all we've got time for in this week's show because we are short of time this week. Um, but, of course, we'll be back with uh, more cruise news, more maritime history and more. And, of course, the link to uh, that uh, Cunard uh, video that you mentioned is, of course, in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you so much for doing that. And, yes, I think I um, unfortunately waffled on a little bit too long about Fred Olsen this morning. <laughs> That's right. um, but, uh, you know, it's been great to great to catch up again. And as, as you mentioned, um, for anybody who's uh, interested in, in knowing more about what we've discussed in a bit more detail, the information is in the show notes as it always is on the website. Thanks, mate. You have a great week. You too. Take care, mate. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.